Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. The opening of AFL Supercoach 2020 is getting close, ladies and gentlemen. We have the party poppers on ice just waiting to send some confetti flying. We are so, so close to being able to log in and slam our initial teams together. It's such an exciting time that I needed everyone's favorite podcaster to join me and talk football. It's JB. How are you, champion? Mind that podcast, Ramon. Yeah, of course. You're the team leader. You know, that's got nothing to do with ranks or, you know, previous years. But you always get up and about for the listeners when there's something exciting to talk about in terms of Supercoach and football. Yeah, well, it's going to be an exciting podcast. And I'd just like to point out for the last time in 2019 that I did rank uh, 164 for last season. Did you really have to mention that again? Yes. Like, I, I feel like that we have like a permanent ban on you saying those words in that order. Just saying, if anyone was going to tune out of the podcast because we don't rank well, <laughs> you don't have to now. <laughs> now, JB, we do need to clear up a bit of a rumor Uh-oh. that literally we never speak in the off-season. There's only the AFL that keeps us together. And when there's Supercoach around, we're pretty much you know backwards and forwards. But I don't think I've heard your voice since the last podcast we did together. I know. It's been sad. I've actually been very sad at home. Um, I've had to start seeing a psychiatrist who honestly can't figure it out themselves. But I think after this chat today, everything will start looking up for me because Supercoach season is starting and I get to talk to Chizo more often. You know, everything's just coming up Millhouse. <laughs> you know it's bad when you go see the psychologist and after they have a meeting with you, they have to go see one of their colleagues <laughs> just to, you know, just declassify themselves just from just all that rubbish that you've been spewing out. Uh, but no, I've definitely done the exact same of the way that my year ended with injuries and running out of trades. And it was the first year that there was no Cheese A Chase Down, uh, JB. So, you know, I've been getting asked on Twitter whether we need to cancel the Cheese A Chase Down, whether I need to take that out of my bio because it doesn't exist. But the way that I think about it is it if there's another Enough people playing there. I'd probably chase down someone important. Oh, you, you would have. Um, and, around and the thing the is, when you start so high, you know, it's it's hard to, you oh. know, I had to come back to the pack just to be able to start chasing people up because, I, you know, I was so far ahead of Pistol at the start of the year that, I, you know, I just had to trip over a hurdle just once or twice just so we could catch up. And then, yeah, I, I cooked myself on the Bucks party, I think. Uh, I think you trading. did like a, a Chizo chase up this year. <laughs> He did the opposite. You started ahead and then you you dropped back. The cheese I trip over. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put that one in. Hey, mate, uh, we do have a few uh, patrons that we do need to um, shout out. Obviously, um, our Slack channel has been going over the off-season. We've had BBL. We've had NBA Fantasy. NBA Fantasy has almost taken over our entire chat, JB. How has that happened? Oh, honestly, I reckon there's been... I'm not letting you in charge of the admin privileges ever again. (laughs) There's been more messages in the NBA Fantasy chat in the off-season than there ever was in the Supercoach chat. And that's not to say Supercoach <laughs> wasn't spoken about because it was. NBA fantasy is unbelievable. It's a different beast. People people go crazy and there have there's been a bit of bickering, a few a couple of arguments as well. You, you should see me there. I've had to break up a few arguments, mostly because I'm the one that's antagonizing people. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay, mate, here's a question for you. Who's the Joel Bowden of the NBA that just runs down to the goal square and just gets that extra kick for us? As it, uh, you, you sound like a stat chaser. Yeah. Oh, it, it's it's Russell Westbrook. I mean, that guy okay. That guy just is incredible at getting a lot of stats and not looking amazing while he does it. 
All right, I'm going to pretend I know who that is. Uh, two people that uh, we are very appreciative of is Mark Silvertand and Adam Bonici. Uh, both have jumped in uh, to the Patreon over the last few months um, during the off-season, so hopefully they're keen for the uh, the kickoff of the 2020 Supercoach season, JB. I'm, I'm really, really excited. Um, the last thing that we should talk about um, is 2020, Maybe some things that might be changing. We might be starting to do some live podcasts, maybe some video content um, in in the future. That's a, a little bit exciting. Maybe just upping the the game. That you know we've um, have had a quite a lot of feedback during the survey at the end of there that people really really enjoy the um, you know some video content and that connection that you get. So JB, so uh, maybe we might see some of that in the coming future. I did see a few survey results uh, point out a couple of things. Firstly, I think. Uh, JB is the most popular podcaster out of the three. Um, was and, that you? And, Please tell me that was you. And also, they they did mention quite a lot that they they weren't able to hear how we ranked during the season. I don't think we brought it up en- enough. So, <laughs> uh, just for those people, one sixty four last year was was where I finished up. So. <laughs> Thanks for your feedback. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, let's not hope that you're too insufferable when we finally get to meet up at the uh, the, the the meet up in Melbourne this weekend, mate. Uh, it's going to be a, a little bit exciting. Now, this podcast we're not going to go too in depth. Uh, just more of a podcast to talk about the excitement from lockout. Uh, maybe just some some overarching questions that we've kind of picked up during the off season. Maybe some players that we'll be looking at in 2020. Um, but we're not going to you know cover that too in depth. We'll we'll spend some more time looking over the site looking at prices and then we'll get into that um, I think is the the way to go JB um, but we'll first jump into uh, what we're looking forward in 2020 um, what the things that may uh, be exciting us what players that we might be looking for I know you picked Zach Williams this time last year as going to be a 105 average and that seemed like a good call so we're all waiting for who's going to be that absolute <laughs> knockout player in 2020 that we should all be jumping on JB no pressure. Uh, well, yeah, no pressure at all. Well, I have liked Dan Houston uh, since the end of last season. And I think uh, in the podcast that we did prior uh, to the our breaking up for the, the off-season, we did mention a few things like we take notice of people during the end of the season and we need to carry that on to next year. So I'm pretty confident my high speaking of Dan Houston in the podcast at the end of last season will carry over to next season. So I'll be pretty surprised if I don't find him in my opening team. Uh, I can just see him playing so much more midfield time. He's been training with a midfield group already uh, this preseason with Port Adelaide's midfield group in the few sessions they've had so far. So I really do like him in defense. And I'll, I'll go with back-to-back years of picking a defensive um, sleeper. So, I mean, Matt, Zach Williams wasn't a huge sleeper, but maybe in terms of a keeper... He, he was for the season so I won't put an average on it yet I, I just need to do a few calculations but I do like Dan Houston a lot okay so there's definitely no port bias in that the, I know you, you obviously <laughs> see a lot more games than what I do but um, there, there's no you're not reading that you're not reading the palm a little bit too much and uh, you know seeing into that or, or is it is something we can take to the bank no, I'm not, I'm not wearing my port glasses on this one. Um, <laughs> no, it's just, it's just pretty much from uh, all the games that we needed to desperately win at the end of last season to get us into finals, which we inevitably ended up missing out on. Uh, Dan Houston was just in the midfield uh, for all of the important games. So that sort of tells me that that's where his trajectory is as a player, um, training with the midfield group. And he, ten, he I think he went over 100 in all of the games in the midfield, bar one for a, like a 92 or something like that. So um, I'm just 
confident as a defender this season in Supercoach that he can pepper that 100 average if he uh, if he does stay in the midfield, which I think he can. Well, I, I recently expect it. Like, he's got a, a decent body size for those that do run through the midfield. As you say, he spent some time in defence. Um, reasonably good one-on-one, not outstanding, but, um, you know, he's going to have that inside contested uh, ability should he spend some time in the midfield. So um, I like that call. It'd be interesting to see. I, I can't say that I've I've watched enough to be able to, um, uh, you know, say, make, a, make a call yes or no. This is, this is one of the things that we picked up at our, you know, end-of-season wrap-up. You know, we're talking about things we wanted to take into 2020. I pretty much watched no Port games last year, so I can't really um, I don't blame say yes or no honest. in that scenario. So th- <laughs> that's something that I'm going to have to take um, into this year. Funnily enough, I, the only game I watched, I think they played St Kilda in um, China or something like that. So uh, what an <laughs> oh, amazing game to watch that was. <laughs> oh, um, no. I, I, I can't remember who this was to give the credit. Uh, maybe I saw it in Slack. Maybe I saw it. I think it was in Slack, JB. Um, 2020, uh, there's a brand new uh, kind of team system. You know, sometimes you like to pick mid prices. This year, it's the, uh, the everyone's going to pick the strategy of the Suns and Rookies. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying what you're doing here. So uh, not Guns and Rookies. We're going for Suns and Rookies. It's always better when you explain it. It just makes it so much funnier. <laughs> hey, look, you've got a little bit of a list, Cheese. I didn't want to say anything, but just in case it didn't come across well in the audio, he definitely said sons and rookies um okay so yeah no, i definitely didn't make that up by the way i've pinched that from somewhere i can't remember no no, no. all credit to you chizo and if if you have said this in the past to chizo please get angry um yeah, please, please at me on twitter and i can share it just so you get your your five likes that i would have so, so i assume you're referring to the fact that we now have uh, maddie Rao as a as a probable option and just about a thousand other ones they they picked up sam flanders and Noah Anderson as well, obviously, in the draft. Uh, Isaac Rankin coming back from those injuries. We just have a 1,000 potential Suns options. And would you be surprised, Chizo, if you ended up with three, four, five of these guys in your starting team? Not at all. I think it was a very similar situation to what we had at the start of 2019 uh, when we're all th- a lot of teams were floating a few Suns. But the thing that I want, um, you know, those that are saying... It's not going to be a good selection. I, we just need to remember back less than 12 months to what um, Sam Walsh has done. You know, Yes, he's the elevated price, but with that elevated price in terms of midfielders tends to come um, with pedigree. And we saw with Sam Walsh, he got the opportunity. He got a decent role. He was given um, you know, good head on their shoulders. They get given the responsibility in the team rather than for short bursts and things like that. So um, I definitely think the Suns are in a position to give... Um, not only Flanders, Rowell and Anderson, but also Jeremy Sharp, who they traded up to get at 26 or 27 with that deal with Geelong, which was great for Geelong. Um, But, you know, I think all four of those um, are are definitely going to get some game time very early in 2020. So even with those elevated price tags, um, Noah and Matty uh, going at one or two, I really wouldn't... um, be deterred from picking one or even both of them. Maybe um, hedging your bets towards Rowell is probably uh, more of a Sam Walsh clone, I would say. Um, but not only that, the the forgotten one is Sam Flanders. He's easily the third or the fourth best midfielder in in the in the group in the the, the 2019 crop, and they've got all three with their first three picks. Like, if they can fix their um, you know 
get some stability and not let these guys go home, their midfield is just going to be chockers in a couple of years when these guys develop. Yeah, I, th- I think it's um, finally time to be optimistic about the Suns. And uh, shout out to the absent pistol here. He said last year, if Sam Walsh can average around 85 through up to the buy, then he's in a fantastic pick at around 200k. Now, Sam Walsh averaged 87 for this season, so he was far and beyond what we could have expected and a fantastic pick for the whole entire year. Now, there are big raps on Matty Rao, and they, you know, the I hate comparison, I hate comparing players to other players, especially ones that are established, but to say one year after the other, a player is like a player who was just drafted is probably where, where I say it's okay. And a lot of people are saying Matty Rao, very similar to Sam Walsh. And if he can average even five points less, seven points less than Walsh he did for the whole season, then he will be another absolutely fantastic pick because Walsh was one of the guys that if you didn't have last season, you, you pretty much, yeah, you, you, you didn't go well. <laughs> he, he was putting out scores that were premium on certain certain weeks like particularly right at the start of the year when you're you're struggling to figure out which rookies to put on field and you feel really bad if you have this high-priced rookie on the bench because he's getting outscored but you're picking him for you know his job security Sam Walsh just didn't give us any stress in that situation I think the same thing is going to be with Rao Um, previously the TAC Cup but in the NAB League um, last year uh, he's averaged over 30 touches a game and uh, upwards of 170 super coach points a game so he's definitely got the you know the game style um, ball winning inside mid that's going to be um, just be right at home in an AFL circle so he's going to be ready to go and as something that we've touched on many many times we're not going to find 15 you know bargain basement uh, rookies that we can just stuff anywhere on our field and then just pick as many guns as we want it's we're at a stage now in the super coach climate where we're forced to pay for high-priced rookies. That's just the way it is nowadays. And, you know, there's going to be people that, um, you know, they're, they're going to be happy picking. You know, just think about how many bargain basement price rookies we had last year that played two games and didn't play again. Some people traded in players that didn't play a game, JB, because we were struggling for um, for, for players in that, that respect. So uh, if we've learnt anything in the last 12 months is that, if you're paying top dollar for a player like a Sam Walsh, like a Matty Rao, it's, it's definitely a good investment as far as I'm concerned. And it kind of forces players to go for a more, you know, it's it's not really guns and rookies. It's guns and then little asterisks next to it, as in, you know, you Zach Williams and, and your players that are slightly cheaper, but you're confident can be keepers and guns. So like this year coming up, we've got Tom Mitchell, obviously, Sam Dockley, hopefully he's back for Carlton. Um, we've got players coming through that will be bargains as well. So instead of having, you know, three 600K players across your defense, you're going to have, you know, maybe one and then a, a couple of slightly cheaper options that could do like what the 600K options can do as well. So um, I think people are learning and becoming more savvy with the players that they pick in that instance as well because, you know, you're going to have Tom Mitchell in your team. He's going to be so much cheaper than... For example, Bontempelli, maybe 120k cheaper. And, you know, when it comes down to that, you're better off picking the 120k cheaper guy. You have more money for better rookies. And these rookies aren't just better because they're slightly higher priced or whatever it is. They're, they're much, much better and much readier to provide those consistent scores like Sam Walsh was. 
Ready. I absolutely love it. Well spoken. Um, <laughs> you, you, you brought it up just before I was going to. Uh, I was going to touch a little bit later in the show. Um, but uh, sorry, um, I was going to say Sam Mitchell, Tom Mitchell, um, and Sam Doherty. Uh, we've heard really good things about Doherty coming back from injury. He's looking like he's going to um, complete a, a decent chunk of the preseason and and be available early on. So um, uh, just tentatively, he's sitting in the back line. At the moment, just uh, um, it's just nice to have him back. Like uh, there's that kind of that's um, a bit cathartic to be able to put him back in your in your defense line again there, JB. Uh, but Titch, we've heard some murmurings that he's still struggling just a little bit with that leg. Is is that something that you're hearing as well, JB? Yeah, I think it was a couple of weeks ago they said he might not be ready for round one. Um, I mean, it it is good in a sense. I mean, obviously. Don't get me wrong, it's awful for Tom Mitchell and, and we, I mean, the game's worse without him. We want to see him out there as soon as possible. But um, in terms of super coach and super coach only, it can be a silver lining because people's teams now will have that one extra point of difference rather than everyone having that Tom Mitchell locked in. And then it brings forward strategies such as starting Tom Mitchell on the bench for one week and then having him as a POD for, you know, the further round. So it is exciting in a super coach sense as much as we want to see him out there for 22 games this year. Um, but if that's the case, yeah, I mean, we're going to get into so many strategies in the preseason, whether he's playing round one, whether he's not, he's going to be in and out of our teams. Um, at the moment, you, you sort of have to lock him in. But, you know, in two weeks' time, if we're not hearing anything good about him, you probably have to take him out and then... You know, as we get closer to that first lockout, we think you know maybe there's enough midfield rookie depth to start him on the bench for one week, and it's what makes Supercoach so exciting. Is there's not one way to do Supercoach. You can't the one player doesn't win every year. It's not a consistent system because it's just there's so much randomness and and people win with different strategies, and you know you just. It's exciting. I'm I'm looking forward to the Supercoach season yeah. this season more than any other. I reckon. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's something similar happened with Dangerfield at the start of this year. He might have had a hammy or something in round one, and and I think that was the... last season. Last, last season, season. okay. Yeah. Everything and... blends together. I've still got the same team from 2017 going around in my head. <laughs> well, there was there was an example a few years ago where Dane Zorko missed the first round. Um, I think, and then what... went bananas, didn't he? Yeah, and he he averaged 120 in the forward line, and no one had him pretty much. And I think yeah. Robbie Gray the year after was set to miss the first week or two. Um, and I think Pistol started him that year and got a big boost from his first few games. So, um, yeah, there, look, there are so many tactics, like I said, and you never know if Tom Mitchell's going to come back and be the same player. So there's a lot of risk involved as well, but it's why we love this game so much. Well, let me complicate it further. I, I know we yeah, said I we this. weren't going to get in-depth, but I can't, you know, now that we've, you know, pulled the lid off and everything's starting to come out after we've been cooped up for three months. <laughs> we saw last year... You know, every year um, champion data seemed to tweak their algorithm a little bit and we saw the accumulators start to fall away a little bit like the, you know, Matt Crouches and, and, you know, there was how many occasions last year did we see someone with 40-plus disposals? They didn't really have a bad game, but they ended up with 90 points. I don't think we'd seen that previously. And I'm wondering whether that's something we're also going to see with titch in 2020 um just by the fact that he tends to be less of an impact player and just tends to um you know make his presence on the game felt through quantity rather than quality in the likes of a, a bontempelli or a fife 
Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, um, it's all speculation. I just I, no, I'd no, you, you de- you're you definitely right in saying that the accumulators were worse off last year. I was an owner of Matt Crouch all the way up until round 23, in which I had one trade left and decided to use it there because, oh my god, I've ne- never enjoyed trading someone out as much as that in my life. And he ended up scoring 130 on me in the last round. So thanks, Matty. <laughs> But uh, you, you are right in that sense that those players were punished so much more throughout the year. Now, obviously, it goes without saying Tom Mitchell is a much better player than Matt Crouch. I think we can all agree with, on that. But um, is he a better player to the to the tune of 10 to 15 extra on the average? And does he average now 110? And you know he's that much better than Matt Crouch? Like, we, yeah, it's something to really consider because. I personally, from what I remember of Tom Mitchell, and I don't know if this is just me uh, putting him in that, that that light of, I haven't seen him for a season, so I remember all the best moments, but I remember him running with the ball f- towards his goal a million times more than what Matt Crouch does, you know, did in the last 20 seasons. So I see, I see Tom Mitchell as more of an attacking player than what other people might. Um, again, I don't know if I'm just glorifying it because I've missed him for for 12 months now. Rose-colored glasses, isn't it? Yeah, it might it might be. But you, when you picture him, you don't always like you picture him shoveling the ball out, obviously. But when he's getting kicks, they're not like chippy, dinky, you know, back to his fullback type of kicks. They're they're forward kicks. Like it's it's sort of hard to explain. But um, yeah, I, I, especially if he's not going to play preseason, it's so hard to predict this, isn't it? You've got me thinking. I'm scared now. I, I'm, I'm thinking a lot. <laughs> this is Supercoach is starting, isn't it? I can tell. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, just something to talk about. And just as always happens, something will come up during the podcast that we literally have not planned for. So uh, I love it when that, that kind of stuff happens. Great question. Um, the, next thing, the next thing I do want to touch on in the draft, it's not so much a super coach question. It's more just um, I just love to get your opinion on it. Obviously, Melbourne have had a, you know, a terrible 2019 considering where you know, a lot of super coaches, no, not super coach, AFL experts that thought they would end up. There was no one on earth predicting they'd finish so far down the ladder. And with pick three, they've picked a 199 centimeter Ruckman, which you'd hope he'd keep growing at that age. But let's let's say he's past the age of growing, JB. You've suddenly got an undersized Ruckman with already a two-time All-Australian with like five years left in his body, um, and Proust as his backup. It just seems like a really strange selection for me at pick three for Melbourne. Yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely agree. I, I, honestly, I'm not going to try and pretend I know what's in, in the minds of the Melbourne selectors. Um, I would have thought they would have spent that on... I mean, Someone like Hayden Young. Yeah, like a, 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 a pacey a, type... Um, yeah, exactly. Goody Deceptor. Exactly. Um, not on a Ruckman where they've already got Proust and Gwan, as you said. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I saw the picks myself and they lost me. I thought they were going to go a total different way. Um, obviously, there's no room for Proust. I don't know what happens with him now. He's a VFL player for life, I guess. Um, but even with the small forward that they selected, taking a young small forward is going to take at least a year or two to develop. He's not going to come in straight away like, you know, Liam Ryan did last year and was that last year or the year before? How long has Liam Ryan been around for? He's been around for two years at least. Okay, well, that first year 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 before when they won the flag. He kicked a bunch of goals and, you know, only injuries sort of held him back from having a really good first year. 
I, I don't think that's that's what they've drafted. I think they're going to have to develop him for a couple of years, and that's that sort of feels like them admitting to themselves that they're not going to be that top four team like they were a couple of years ago, and maybe they're at best a you know fighting for the eight topper team, maybe worse. So. Um, it does make me think about selecting their players. I know they're going to have a dream run this year due to where they finish on the ladder. And a lot of people were talking about Clayton Oliver early as the type of player that is just going to be able to, you know, stomp these teams that are lower than them. And you know, they're they're not as bad as where they finished, and they're going to, you know, have this dream run and blow away a few teams. But I don't know. I'm so skeptical about Melbourne. I'm I'm probably just going to take Gorn into the season and and just leave everything else because I, I really just. They confuse me so much as a team in almost every way, Chizo. And like teams that generally confuse me as on just looking at them on paper generally don't go great for my super coach either. So yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna tread with caution with Melbourne. Well, when you think about it, the two um, you know, roles that someone is unlikely to initially, you know, be able to walk into an AFL team is a ruckman regardless of how good you are, mm. and a small forward, regardless yep. of how good you are, which they've, you know, let's, you know, straight to your Liam Ryan, um, uh, you know, comparison reflection there. He was taken, I believe, in the 20s, you know, by after proving for, you know, two years in the waffle that he was exceptional and then got picked up there. So you're looking at a... You know, a, a first-round pick on a selection that's going to be developed as a ruckman and also as a a, a small forward. I just seen them. It's almost like saying they're giving up. And you know, let's say, um, let's say that that uh, Luke Jackson is going to be as good as Brody Grundy. Well, Brody Grundy wasn't really being an effective player for at least a couple of years. Yep. At, you know, at least holding his own. If we look to Tim English now, I think he's entering. His fourth season, it might be, or maybe even no, I don't think it's his fifth. Probably his, this might be his fourth season, and he's just becoming useful. Like he's just becoming that, you know. Halfway through the year, he still wasn't really their number one ruck, and they don't have a ruckman, you know. Whereas Melbourne have literally the best ruckman in the in the game, and I know they've said that Luke Jackson can push forward, and that's going to be another strength to his bow. But how many two hundred centimeter? Ruckman spend time forward in the underage groups and clunk a mark. Pretty much all of them. Yep. So, I, yeah, more of a, um, more of a just like a personal assessment rather than anything else. I just, I just felt that was really weird. I was really expecting them to take someone like Lockie Ash or uh, a Hayden Young. Um, Lockie Ash went at four to the Giants, and all the mail was that you know Melbourne were set on. Uh, on on Luke Jackson as a ruckman, but um, they obviously see something in him absolutely special that a lot of us are overlooking. Um, you know, speaking of overlooking, JB, I do want your thoughts on Will Gold, who somehow made his way all the way down to twenty six at Sydney. Yeah, yeah, we we spoke about this a little bit pre podcast. This confuses me so much. The fact that South Australian teams are so. Uh, I'm so, I, don't, I don't know the exact word for it, but they're so cautious, I suppose, about drafting players that are interstate and whatever the opposite of cautious is about drafting players from South Australia so they can retain those players and not lose them to the interstate, specifically Victorian clubs. Now, someone like Will Gould, both SA teams would have seen so much of him, especially playing in the SA NFL. Um, they would have played both of their 
B-side teams throughout the year, and you know they would have seen plenty of Will Gould. So they know what he is. And there was even there was photos of Robbie Gray getting pictures with Will Gould at Adelaide Oval before the draft, and all this nonsense. But why they then passed on him six times over the South Australian teams when he was a top 20-ish prospect, he ended up going at 26 just a few picks after Port Adelaide had, had taken their most recent selection. Just makes me think that, you know, like there's so many, so much hype on this guy and everyone's saying, oh, you know, he could play 22 games for Sydney. I'm just a little bit more skeptical. I'd love to see him in the preseason um, or I'd love to have someone maybe message me and explain to me how he got passed up on six times over from South Australian clubs. And, you know, we had every single supporter on Twitter saying, you know, Will Gould, Will Gould, like hopefully Port gets him, hopefully Crows gets him. Everyone wanted him besides the two clubs in South Australia. So I'm just a little confused. Maybe he's not going to be as much of an impact player as what we're projecting for this next season. Maybe he's a bit of a wait and see. I don't know. I really just... It's, the whole entire thing just confuses me, Chizo. Like, do, you, do you know what I'm trying to like get across here with? Like, why would they not select him, having them having the most exposure to him? Why would they pass on him so many times? Yeah, no, it, it's it's pure speculation on why that would be the case. And Port literally had the pick before he would he was gone. All the talk, um, you know, after day one of the draft, why they have two days of a draft, I've got no idea. Um, but <laughs> should be three. The, all I agree. the all the talk was who was going to take him, <laughs> who was going to take him with the first pick of the second day, and it turned out he made another four picks down the line to Sydney. Yep. Um, and all the talk is that he's ready-made, um, he's going to walk straight into the Sydney defence, uh, and he's going to play 22 games next year. That's all well and good. Um, you know, for great for his price, he's going to be bargain basement in the 20s there. Like, he's not going to have basically any elevation at all. Um, and he averaged in the 80s, uh, supercoach-wise, uh, playing in the sample last year, um, 19 disposals as as well, so he can find the ball playing against the men. But I think I think you're right. Why have these? And you know, um, Adelaide at pick six took a tall defender. You know, um, so it, it just it, it kind of highlights to me that. Uh, maybe he's not as ready-made as what a lot of people are thinking, and everyone gets excited after the draft. And you know, we're all jumping up and down, yeah, going, that's you know, big, who can that's we slot thing, in? And you know, he's sitting in the back line right uh, right now um, in a lot of people's teams as we first log on and have a muck around. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely one to look to watch out for because um, I, I'm I'm as interested as you are, JB. So uh, we'll move into the next part of the podcast, and that's a few predictions for 2020 we're going to start with some dpp jb uh the first one on uh, on my lips just because of the backlash you caught on twitter for posting this out very early <laughs> as the the season finished what is whitfield going to be next year forward forward status i think exclusively just I, a straight forward i don't know why i would get the midfield i know he, i know he spent a little bit of time on the wing but i think a lot of people are thinking he's going to be defensive but i would be very surprised if he he got defending. In fact, I I even posted on my Twitter that if he's not a forward status player for season twenty twenty, then everyone can just go on and follow me now because I, I clearly don't know enough about the game. So I would be absolutely shocked if he wasn't a forward. Well, I'm going to go one better. I think he's going to be a forward mid. I think he spent too much time up the ground not to have the midfield status. Um, he did spend 
you know, the start of the year running off the back line a little bit. But as soon as he did start, um, you know, starting forward of the centre bounce and then pushing into the contest, that's when we saw um, Zach Williams thrive as well. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. I like that one. You're just a forward. I'm a mid forward. We will uh, reconvene um, when uh, we actually get to log in and have a look around. Now, Danger and Dusty, you think, are both a chance for forward status. Yes, a chance. So I think Dusty's a little little higher of a chance. Uh, but if they're both forward status, I think the everyone's literally going to have a carbon copy forward line of those pretty much three that we've just mentioned. But I I hope Danger misses out. Maybe Dusty gets in. Then we can at least you know speculate on who we're going to take in that third pick. But I mean, if both of them miss out, then we're going to be very very skinny in the forward line, and that's when we're going to have to start looking at some mid price options. Maybe uh, even dabbling a little bit of Toby Green again this season. Jesus. Ew. Ew. Take that back. <laughs> hey, he... Don't say that. <laughs> oh, look. How, how can you utter those words? I can never rule out Toby Green. He had such. <laughs> Such a good, such a good final series, and I, I literally just, I, I can't do it. I was watching him in the final series, and I said to everyone on Slack, I'm like, I'm gonna start with this man, and this man's gonna be my super coach again after last season. I traded him after round two, but he's somehow gonna get in there. He's so good, Chizo. Now, there's another green at GWS that we do need to be looking out for, just instead. <laughs> hey, good segue. Um, and uh, finally. Uh, some forwards that we think will probably lose their DP, uh, DPP, uh, Dunkley, Boak, and Tim Kelly are all probably just going to be straight mids in 2020. Pretty much every forward that we care about from season 2019 have lost their forward status. Okay. All right. Uh, talk to me about uh, Marshall as a potential straight ruck in uh, in, in 2020. Uh, you, you, we do have to remember that they do have Paddy Ryder there now, uh, and they picked up Ryan Abbott from Geelong. Um but the thing is that Paddy Ryder tends to play his best when he's playing forward, so we might still see Marshall uh, playing predominantly as a ruck in 2020 anyway. I think the uh, the most relevant thing about Marshall is going to be where he lines up in 2021 as an option. So I think for this year, obviously, we've lost him as a forward. He's going to be a ruck only. They've picked up Paddy Ryder. They've picked up Tony Abbott from Geelong. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I'd... Uh, I like the pause, like you were waiting for me to laugh yep. at that. <laughs> um, and so now we look to 2021 as he's, he's not really relevant with the big rucks in there this season. Um, 2021 as a ruck forward option, uh, which you know would qualify for a lot of people's teams straight off the bat. Well, that's, uh, what, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he's going to play as for, forward as much as you think because I don't think Paddy Ryder is going to spend basically any No, no, time I, th- I think he'll be dual status. Rock forward. You, you you think he's going to play enough forward? Yep. With Paddy Ryder coming in, that yep. he's going to get DP. Paid. I think they they think I think St Kilda think <laughs> that Marshall's a better forward than Paddy Ryder. Okay. All right. We'll I, see I how like it transpires, but that I think that's that's one to definitely look at, monitor throughout the year because. That's one for the future that we'll be that we will be watching closely because you know. it's in, it's interesting. Twelve like start of the year, I'm like, nah, he's a forward. He's not going to spend any time in ruck. And then yeah, it's the other way. Literally, my opinion's like flipped 180 degrees. I'm like <laughs> trying to argue that he's not going to be playing any time forward. Um, obviously, we should point out that this is um, recorded before um, we've actually had the chance to log on and and see these. So we I, I feel and we like don't know when it opens, Chizo. Yeah, that. Yeah, we, 
do we? Um, but the <laughs> super coach, um, I feel like this is a, a you know our first um, donate for donuts, our little cancer council bet that we've got forward. You've got Whitfield as a forward only. I've gone forward mid. Okay, what are we putting on this? How many donuts? What? How many donuts? Oh, my donuts have improved to fifty bucks a donut last year. I get more confident wow, every year and raise the prices, donut. and I somehow end up with more donuts. Yeah, but you, you, I mean, look, we're, we're not all scientists, Chiso. So no, that's that's big spender money. I'll 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 go you I'll go you twenty dollars on that one. All right, all right, and I think I'm both firmly in the camp that Danger and Dusty are just going to be mid only. I'm not willing to bet on that. I'm wishful thinking that Dusty's going to be forward eligible. Wishful thinking, just wishful thinking. I want to have. I want okay, so- to own Dusty again. I, he's one of the most fun players to own in Supercoach, and I don't want him to be mid only because he wouldn't make my team. Yeah, especially averaging a hundred flat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> is he still? Is he even going to make our forward line averaging a hundred flat? I. Do you know what? Back to the story about me trading out Matt Crouch last year. I traded in Dusty was my Crouch replacement, so I did own him last year, and it was fun. <laughs> it was fun, was it? He scored 120. He dominated. You're willing to stand by that? I mean, he, he scored less than Crouch. It wasn't as fun as it should have been, but <laughs> it, should have, it should have been a better honeymoon. But <laughs> Now, the, the biggest contest that we do have to talk about, this is one for the ages. It's coming right down to the wire. And oh, the Twitter. I already know go, the Twitter. Already it could honestly go either way, JV. <laughs> We're talking about the first of either Pistol no, or JV to hit 1,000 followers. <laughs> uh, and I'd just like to say that in the last... Pistol's a man of few words. He doesn't, he doesn't overpost. He doesn't really shove his opinion in your face. And I think a lot of people like that because he's, he's reached 960. doesn't shove his opinion. Have you met Pistol? <laughs> just just recently just recently overtaking the famed uh Sean Higgins he fan, was number one fan member. He was a hundred ahead of me, I chased him down. You're now at, at nine fifty five, oh. mate. He's taken the lead back. Do do you have anything to say for you know he's basically doing a, a pistol chase down on you? Honestly, I would be shocked. Shocked if Pistol answered his DMs. I answer all my DMs. <laughs> I give so much advice throughout the year. I, like, unfollow Pistol. He tweets once a not, month. Not, <laughs> not just follow me, unfollow Pistol as well. For those who... I, I don't understand people that follow him and not me. I, how can we have followers... Like, anyway, look, honestly... He I'm, tweeted once in November <laughs> and tw- twice in October. <laughs> I'm the most recent person on the podcast. I should therefore be more popular for the next month or so. <laughs> I'm in everyone's so, memories now. I think there needs to be like a, um, a T-Series and PewDiePie battle where we just start getting, uh, memeing everything and trying to see who we can get to 1,000 followers Come first. On, stick to the age demographic, Jesus. No one knows who that is. <laughs> All right, we're getting off track here a little bit, JB. Now, the last player that I do want to touch on just in this uh, this quickfire podcast, recently picked up in the rookie draft by Essendon. That's Mitch Hibbard. I've owned him in the past when he was a North Melbourne defender and basically scored me negative points um, <laughs> back there. Uh, it wasn't a happy experience, although since he's gone and played with Williamstown, he's been turned into a big-bodied inside midfielder, which is something 
that Essendon desperately need, and I think they've... I've heard he's drawing comparisons to Paddy Cripps. Well, every inside midfielder gets <laughs> compared to Paddy Cripps as per you. Uh, but he is a big body. He's 190 centimetres or thereabouts. Average uh, upwards of 120 Supercoach points uh, last year in the VFL. Um, and with his price discount, he should seem into the mid 100 K range, so he's desperate, uh, definitely one we're going to be looking at for our mid bench JB. Yes, yes, you had to sneak in your <laughs> Essendon shout out in the end there. <laughs> I know you've been talking about him ever since they got they redrafted him in the rookie draft, and you know Mitch here with this, Mitch here with that. He's just like Paddy Cripps. Um, yeah, all the business. I understand. Look, he is a fairly large contender to end up on our midfield bench especially if he makes that round one team in fact if he makes that round one team I'd be very surprised if he wasn't owned by at least 30% of the super coach competition so yeah one to definitely look for in the preseason yeah probably the only thing that Dodo did with his drafting <laughs> this year that I was actually happy with did Essendon draft I actually, I actually don't recall hearing about them at all yeah, no, we, we threw half of our selections together to go up from 32 to 30. Oh, so we nice. could pick a developing forward, which is, uh, Harry looks really good. I'm really, really impressed. Got a, a, a solid head on his shoulders. Runs up the ground. I wouldn't be surprised if he, he got some early games for Essendon as well, but he's just not, uh, I don't think, a, a super coach option at this stage. But. And with a name like Harrison Jones, like it's just, it's just a bit boring, isn't it? It's no Flanders, you know? <laughs> All right, I'll take your word for it, mate, seeing as that's something that you're you're desperate to get into the podcast. Fantastic to have you on, mate. It's been too long. I think we both just relearned how to podcast in that last hour. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's you know always great chatting. I can't wait to have I reckon we're gonna try and pump out a record number of preseason podcasts because I'm keen to chat everything super coach. Yeah, me too, mate. Just just been absolutely excited for lockout. So, uh, well, opening, I should say. It's not really lockout. Uh, just to get in and start tinkering and seeing prices and, you know, seeing these DPPs and swinging some things around. I can't wait for the Slack to just explode with activity in, you know, a channel that's not NBA uh, <laughs> so I can so I can join in. So, uh, absolutely loving it. So, that wraps up the podcast, JB. Uh, where can they find us during the week? There is the one and only at JB underscore DRSE. No other handles. Oh, wait, no, sorry. sorry. <laughs> at, at Chizo with a Z underscore DRSE. No other handles beyond that. Um, make sure you follow those two accounts. Unfollow any others that you have followed with DRSE in the name. Possible impersonators. So uh, just to clarify there that they are not part of the brand. Uh, and then obviously comment on our Facebook. Give us a couple of reviews here and there, wherever we are. That'll do us, mate. It's, it's been great talking to you. And as I said, I ranked 164 last season. <laughs> we'll catch a later, community.